Welcome to Health Research Futures. This is a podcast from the National Institute for Health Research for health and social care professionals engaged in research. I'm joined today by Jane Norman, who is Professor of Maternal and Fetal Health at the University of Edinburgh, where she is also Director of the Edinburgh Tommy Centre, Deputy Director of the Centre for Reproductive Health and Vice Principal for People and Culture. Professor Norman's research focuses on the pregnancy stressors of obesity, maternal depression and stress, inflammation and hypoxia, stressors that are largely responsible for the clinical conditions of gestational diabetes, preterm birth and stillbirth, all of which of course have devastating effects on pregnant women and their babies. As part of this work, Professor Norman has been involved in a range of basic science studies as well as a number of clinical trials involving pregnant women. Professor Norman, thank you very much for speaking with us today. I mentioned in my introduction your involvement in a number of clinical trials involving pregnant women, and it's that aspect of your work that I'd like to focus on, if I may. So can I begin by asking you, from your own experience, what do you feel are the most important considerations for anyone planning a clinical trial involving pregnant women? Thanks, Alan, and thanks for having me today. Um, So I I think the most important considerations for trials involving pregnant women are probably the same as the trials involving anybody, really. It has to be an important clinical question. Um, The trial has to be properly designed so that it can answer the clinical question. There has to be enthusiasm amongst the research and the clinical community to answer the question because, uh, as you know, all trials take a lot of hard work from everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think um, it has to be an important question for pregnant women and and increasingly um, again as you know we're designing trials in collaboration with the participants so I think for pregnant women as for all patient populations uh, a really important consideration is to design a trial in collaboration with patients so that patients feel it's important they're empowered to take part and and taking part is as is as straightforward as possible for them. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I can imagine that the recruitment and retention of pregnant women may, may be challenging, but I wonder if those challenges are in any way different if you're trying to recruit healthy pregnant women, or in contrast, say, to those who are unwell or whose pregnancy may be compromised by some medical or obstetric problem. Yeah. I mean, I, I think recruitment um, is always challenging, and I think pregnant women, um, again, as all patients, are always uh, concerned about being asked to take part in a trial because they're concerned about the implication that you may not know the benefits of the intervention that you're offering or testing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that concern relates not only to them but also their babies. Um, So I think there are different issues for women who are unwell and women who are well. Um, I think women who are well, um, happily most of them assume that they're going to continue to be well and I guess there are challenges in Mm -hmm. recruiting women to preventive studies when the outcomes that you're trying to prevent are are happily very rare. Um, For women who are unwell, I think they often have um, a lot of things going on and sometimes women who are unwell feel that participating in a trial is just one more thing to worry about. So so I think there are different challenges for both. Um, uh, I mean, again, as for all trials, I think it's important to have a really uh, honest uh, and informed dialogue with women. and, and share, share the issues, share the uncertainty and you know, share the potential benefits and risks of taking part in, mm-hmm. in a trial, but, but, that, but that's true of all trials. Yeah. Of course, I suppose there's the added complication with pregnant women in that the, the potential participants are 
having to consider not just their own involvement in the study but the involvement of their unborn child as well. I, I think that's right and um, most parents will do anything to keep their children safe yes. and, and that's true of, of women who are pregnant and uh, women who are pregnant are clearly very anxious about anything that's going to pose a risk to their baby and I think to be fair you know, in, in some uh, drug trials or in some intervention trials, we, we don't know the mm -hmm. um, potential outcome for mm -hmm. the baby. Clearly, we think it's going to be beneficial, otherwise we wouldn't be doing the study. Um, so, so I think that is an important consideration. Um, and the preclinical studies that we do in um, other situations, again, are not always informative for studies in pregnancy. I think that it's probably fair to say that there are no really good animal models of, mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. pregnancy. Um, I think the other issue in, in trial design, of course, is that um, when you're considering an intervention, whether it's a drug or a test or, or a, a complex intervention or policy, you want to know that that's going to be good for the mother and the baby. Um, so you end up almost with two primary outcomes and there's the, all the kind of statistical issues that that, uh, that, that mm -hmm. has as well. So, so I, I guess that's one of the, the challenges in, in trial design. Um, but I really firmly believe that there's no point in doing studies in pregnant women and just have pregnancy as the outcome. I, I really think that uh, the baby has to be an important outcome as well. Yeah. I mean, I think anyone involved in, in clinical research is, is very well aware of the, the complex barriers to trial recruitment mm. in, in the general population mm. and amongst those who have specific health conditions. But I think perhaps those not involved in studies of pregnancy often imagine that the main barrier in such studies will be the pregnant woman's unwillingness to participate. Mm. In your experience, is that the case? Or is it perhaps that there aren't so many of these studies, perhaps because pregnant women aren't being asked or they're not being given the opportunity to take part in research? Yeah. I, I think there are three issues. One is I think some women are unwilling for very mm. good reasons mm. to, uh, to take part in in research and some women are unwilling because we haven't explained it properly. Mm -hmm. um, I, I always feel slightly suspicious of trials where there's a 100% recruitment. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a good thing either. Mm -hmm. so, I th so I think women will make their own decisions. Some women won't want to participate and I think that's fine. I think um, the NIH NIHR clinical research networks have been fantastic in the UK for really supporting clinical research in all specialties, but particularly in our own. We've seen a real increase in the ability of um, clinicians, units in the UK to take part in research. Mm -hmm. So for instance, the optimum trial that I um, had the privilege of leading, we had 64 sites in the UK participating, mm -hmm. and that would not have happened without NIHR. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the barriers that there was before mm -hmm. has now gone, that, that lack of research infrastructure. I think we now have a really good research infrastructure uh, with dedicated and very well-informed research midwives who are very good at talking to women mm -hmm. about the pros and cons of participating in a trial. I think the last issue for pregnancy, and it probably is more relevant to pregnancy than, than other conditions, is that uh, for pharma, the incentive to develop uh, and test drugs for pregnant women is is so small as to be to be zero. Mm -hmm. um, the 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 risks if they get it wrong in terms of litigation and um, uh, are, are very severe. So still bestrol's an example, thalidomide another mm -hmm. example, mm -hmm. um, and if they get it right however bad your pregnancy is in inverted commas it's not going to last for more than nine months so yes. so uh, th you know your drug might be brilliant mm -hmm. but people are going to only take it for a short period of time and in terms of the the um you know the return on your r d for a pharma company that's not great um 
so so I'm personally really disappointed that um, um, I understand their reasons that farmer is not uh, pursuing this area I think it's really important that we as academics and clinicians move into to the gap and try and develop new therapies um, or old therapies for new indications for pregnant women and I think we're starting to do that and, and I, I do think the research networks in the UK are making a huge contribution mm -hmm. to this area. Mm -hmm. um, for perfectly understandable reasons you've highlighted that trials and pregnancies are challenging and they certainly probably form a small minority of studies overall. Um, do you think that that needs to change? I mean, you highlighted already that you know there are very poor animal models, for example, mm. for mm. pregnancy, mm. and that for for our knowledge base to move forward in our understanding of diseases and complications in pregnancy, we presumably need to gather more clinical trial evidence. But yeah. you know, how how are we going to do that? I mean, are, are there any developments on the horizon, for example, yeah. that might help us conduct such studies more yeah. effectively in the yeah. future? I, I think you're right that there are challenges um, um, and I, I, I feel um, not very optimistic about getting new molecules for pregnancy indications mm -hmm. because I think we, that do, will mm. involve pharma and unless, yeah. the, um, unless the funding model changes for them and perhaps it will and perhaps governments can think about that, um, I think that's, it's unlikely that we're going to get new molecules for pregnancy indications. I think we will have more repurposing of established drugs. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's a very exciting opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I think we do now have the clinical infrastructure in the UK, in the US, and in many other uh, countries to to um, to to test these indications. I also think I'm also quite excited about the possibility of novel trial designs. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, as I said at the beginning, happily many of the pregnancy outcomes we worry about are rare. So, for instance, stillbirth um, in this country, four per thousand women have a stillbirth. Now that's absolutely awful if it's you, but in terms of running a trial, it's mm -hmm. not a common mm -hmm. outcome. We've just finished um, a step wedge cluster randomized trial of an intervention to prevent stillbirth um, using routinely collected data in 400,000 women, um, which cost us half a million pounds um, because we used routinely collected mm -hmm. data yeah. and the cluster design where we, we weren't required to get individual consent from individual women. So, so for, for, for me, for pregnancy, where we have the main outcomes generally recorded by hospitals, I think, I think the use of cluster designs and um, routinely collected data, which again in the UK we can now link to various other mm -hmm. interventions and outcomes, I think that's a really exciting opportunity and I, I just hope we can get the um, you know the ethics and the data approval from governments yes. through to yeah. kind of capitalise on that. Is that is that also going to be possible in other countries? I know that the UK usually mm. is regarded as having a very high level of yeah. quality data collection mm. and also a kind of uh, structure and infrastructure to support that. Is yeah. it is it possible and e as easily possible in other countries? I mean, I think some countries do very well. So Scandinavian countries, as mm -hmm. you know, have yeah. have great data. Um, the Australians also have good data, but I think it's sort of state-based rather than a, mm -hmm. a national database. Um, I'm, I'm less familiar with the US. I mean, I know that their um, Kaiser Permanente, for instance, has a, a great database, and mm -hmm. I'm sure they could do it. Um, but I'm not aware 
that it's possible mm -hmm. to link mm -hmm. the data on all pregnancy outcomes in the US. I suspect that's not possible. Certainly such more virtual approaches using routinely collected yeah. high quality data I mean, does open up huge possibilities and much more cost effective possibilities for research, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, and actually it also minimises the burden on research participants. Yeah. So you don't have somebody coming with a clipboard and asking you all the questions exactly. that somebody else has already asked you and, and downloaded onto the system. Exactly. Um, I mean, I think there are, th there are data governance potential challenges and issues mm -hmm. that we need to think through mm -hmm. as a community and we need to make sure that we um, bring pregnant women along with us and explain what we're trying to do and explain the safeguards around this um, so it's not possible to identify individual women yeah. um, but, but, I, but I'm really optimistic about it as a potential trial design. And on that note thank you very much Professor Norman for sharing your thoughts with us today. Thank, thank you. you. You've been listening to Health Research Futures a podcast from the National Institute for Health Research.